welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I am your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yes, okay. We're, I'm still here. Confirmed. Also with us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. In many ways, I've always been here. He is apparently eternal and sedentary. <laughs> so there's that. Also joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hello, Matthew. Be blessed and have a wonderful day with the Lord. Wow. Wow. That was, it sounded like a veiled threat, maybe towards the end there. Seems like there's some technology happening there. This is my new way of affirming Matt is, uh, as I, I don't even have to, I don't even have to do it. I just let technology do it for me. Well, this is a great change because kind of pre COVID when we were recording in our, in our studio in Glenn's house, there was a, a large sign like you might see at the zoo that said, please do not affirm the Matt. <laughs> Cause you don't want to think you can have control, but Lee, I'm going to leave it to you to, to uh, explain it, but it sounds like you might have an emergency for us. We, I do. It, the thing is, is that, I mean, th- in, in many ways, we always saw this coming. Um, we here on this podcast wind up, unfortunately, being the, the kind of prognosticators of Christian nonsense. And in that vein, I have to declare a technological emergency. Whoa, it's Whoa. an emergency? An emergency? It's, it's an emergency. Um. Our dear friend and super fan and longtime listener of the show, Ryan Waddell, in, um, who lives in Colorado, sent me uh, a notification of a thing that exists on this planet that's called the Joel Osteen Inspirational Audio Cube. <laughs> that Look, I'm looking at it. You just sent me the link. I do not believe what I am looking at with my eyes right now. I also love that of those insane run of words, somehow cube is the real kicker. That's right. It's an inspiration cube. Get in the cube. It's like your inspiration. uh, Other churches give you inspiration in like 1D or 2D. But with Joel, you get it cubed, baby. We're, we're is, not making this up. It says no. Joel Osteen <laughs> Inspiration Cube. That's the description on Amazon I'm looking at right now. I'm so, on the Amazon page as well. If you're looking for the buyer, it is brand colon Joel Osteen. <laughs> so there's several layers of things that we need to discuss. And then I think that we need to we need to kind of talk about the way that we see this going sideways and obviously leading to the, the future Joel Osteen cyberbots, But, um, obviously one of these cubes is going to wake up, right. you know, and, yep. and, uh, and become sentient. But yep. before we get there, let's just talk about what this thing actually is. This is a, this is a product that you could buy that I, I assume it's like your, you're kind of like Alexa or uh, Apple HomePod or something like that, but uh, it's it's a device that you can kind of set up on your kitchen counter or whatever. And then if you're discouraged, then you can be like normally, like with Alexa, you say like Alexa, play Billy Joel, 
you know? And then it's like, we didn't start the fire. You I know, don't think anyone's just... ever said that, Lee. I don't think Billy Joel's core audience knows how to use an Alexa. <laughs> They've said it, Matt. You don't have to, you, you know. But in any case, you tell it what to play and it plays it. And I guess the same thing is true with HomePod or whatever. I, maybe you're talking to Siri at that point. But with, I'm guessing, with the Joel Osteen Inspiration Cube uh, that you're saying, hey, Joel, I feel discouraged today and then he jumps on there and well you know blessed are the peacemakers <laughs> and and i don't know why i went into like the schoolhouse rock uh voice but it worked uh, it worked <laughs> but you know uh but i'm guessing that's what actually happens there joel gives you a sermon or a or a little quick word or or just something to to kind of build you back up Here's the thing. I'm on the Amazon page. I'm looking at the description. And right from the jump, I think whoever wrote this copy may be a Say That Super fan working for the other side. Because I'm going to read this to you. This is the first bullet point under the price of $39.67. It's a bit strong. Mm. Um, You can get 40% off if you subscribe and save. So I guess that means they send you one every month. I don't know why you did that. But... (laughs) Be inspired with the Joel Osteen Audio Cube, featuring 365 daily inspirations, 52 sermons, and 31 affirmations. Listen daily while brushing your teeth. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. It's all coming uh, together. Just, just the f- normal 25 minutes everyone spends scrubbing their teeth every morning, listen to a Joel Osteen sermon during that time. Can I ask an important question? When this obviously goes sideways and the cube becomes sentient and uh, the AI starts uh, picking apart other, uh, uh, you know, parts from your electronics in your home and and turns into a Joel Osteen uh, future bot, does it start by eliminating the the quote unquote chaff of the planet with those who do not have beautiful teeth? Ooh, that's a that, good question. That's how it fi- that's how it sorts them out. You will know them by their veneers. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that um, to to Lee's point about how this will interact with the other things in your house. Um, the final bullet point is your cube. Which is just a thing to say because Cube is capitalized there in a very, very concerning uh, Lukendorf future. Your Cube can also be used as a Bluetooth speaker. You can pair your Cube with any compatible Bluetooth device, such as a smartphone or tablet, that will allow you to listen to music, podcasts, or other audio favorites. Which means, um, of course, somebody could buy this and just play, you know, just a lot of Cardi B through the OSIN Cube, which would be very fun. Or, of course, <laughs> If you got $40 to spare, or in two years you find these at a Goodwill or a church charity shop or something, this could could conceivably play the Say That podcast through it from your smartphone. And would that create some kind of horrible singularity? Could I ask a question? Please do. If you were to play the Cardi B through the Joel Osteen cube, um, would would he refer to his teeth? Um, would he say they are white as pearls? <laughs> oh, that's very, very nicely done. Well, well constructed. Um, the, the other thing that, that must be uh, discussed here, and I'll, I'll let you gentlemen obviously share any, any thoughts you have, is I scroll down on Amazon to the reviews. Mm-hmm. There are 
uh, currently 41 global ratings for the Joel Osteen cube. Um, uh, all but two of them are five stars because that's a self-selecting population. The first one, uh, Jessica, with a verified purchase, reviewed uh, just last month. I can't tell if this is sarcasm or not. Uh, I highly recommend the Joel Cube, two exclamation points. Brand new and just as described. I listen to Joel all the time. I am a firm believer in everything he says. Here's the thing about that is, and this is makes me think this person is either doing a bit or has lost uh, touch with reality. Every single word in these sentences is capitalized. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is some pretty hardcore boomer on Facebook energy. So, but that's the normal, the normal tone. I'll read you some of the other headlines. Um, uh, the headline for JK who left a, again just last week, love my inspirational cube. And that's, that's, un, un, that's really unseemly. But then we come to the hero of the review section. And that's our friend Greg. Greg is not a verified purchase. Yeah. And he left the only one star review. And it reads as follows uh, uh, kind of subject line It told me terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> it made me covet my neighbor's wife. On the bright side, it did tell me when impending storms were coming so I could lock my doors. Yeah. Wow. And here's the thing about that. I don't know if that's like just because it works as a weather, like an emergency weather thing, or if you get Joel's vo- voice just saying, there's a cleansing rain coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Because, you, you know, you, you you need a guy like that to kind of, you know what I mean, kind of bail us all out of like, the, you know, like let, let's let's find reality again. I mean, we've all been inside a long time, and I respect a lot a guy who said, there's a Joel Osteen cube on Amazon, is there? I think I can kill half an hour by writing a weird one-star review on that. I, I, I like the idea of the Joel cube becoming sentient, trying to make a treaty with the future, say that podcast, and there being like a Joel Jed character that mm. a- appears on both podcasts at some point and you know, kind of a, just kind of a... a, a you're talking about a, crossing the streams, Younger, is what you're talking exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. Uh, tell me more about this Joel Jed character. I'm intrigued. Just like, how would, how would you combine the, the energy and the accent of, of Joel with just uh, with the Jed outlook on the world? Now, look, y'all, some of y'all really suck, and that's why you're having so many problems, <laughs> is you're just, bless your hearts, you just, you, you got all kinds of problems, y'all. I think it would probably start something like that. Yeah. It's got to. That's well, I, I like the idea of, of the applying the, jo- the Joel Osteen affect and energy, but to things Jed cares about. Okay. So it's Jed in really, and this is something that was another horrible thing in the world that was passed to us. Like Jed encouraging the Domino's executives who came up with the chicken taco pizza. Hey, wow. But it's just about how they really believed and they, they're they living their best life. And that's what the Lord wants for them. Oh, let me, let me try. I think, I think I can do this. I think <laughs> I can do this. You know, I know right now, tonight, out there, there are some folks listening who are afraid to go for their dreams. 
right now. <laughs> and you feel that tug in your heart. You feel like I need to go where no one's gone before. And you know what? That is what God wants you to do. That is what we need <laughs> you to do. We need you to bring together chicken tacos and pizza. We need you to make something new in this world, something beautiful, oh, oh, something delicious. That's what we need, y'all. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wow. That yeah. was amazing. That is incredible. And on that note, I hope that we are going to declare emergency off and not have to pick it back up there. I w- this is a this is another true thing, it's a very weird carryover, but it may speak to the uh the robot uprising. I, I do the Duolingo and it was a, one of the like they have you, you know, they say a sentence in English and you have to write it out in the language you're, you're speaking in. One of the sentences from one of my lessons last week was, are you a machine? <laughs> and I thought, Duolingo, why would I ever need to know how to say that? Well, maybe that day is coming. <laughs> of course, another day that's coming is a day when you can sign up for Bridgebox over at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Um, we, if, you, if enough of you pledge and you want, we will uh, send a Bridgebox cube to your home, it will probably at this point uh, just be like a cardboard box with some audio cassettes of the sermons and maybe some printouts <laughs> of the of the Bible studies. But we'll do what we can. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Matt, I, now all I want to know is what would Joel Osteen sound like asking that question in Portuguese? That's the oh, only thing in my no. brain now. <laughs> That's a war crime. Você I can't machina? do it. Like... His voice doesn't work in other languages. Oh, man, that is that is hurting my brain trying to think of that. I'm going to continue to work on that. Vamos a la casa de Pepe. Yes, if you'd like to make a, an audio recording of you doing a Joel, Joel Osteen impression in any any non-English language of your choice, please oh. do that and email it to say that yeah. podcast. To say that we podcast sh- we should have a montage. That will be amazing. Uh, you can, of course, also join us every uh, thing of uh, international products. You can join in with many fine folks from around the world every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. at facebook.com slash Chicago for our weekly live bridgecast. We're having a lot of fun. We would love for you to come get involved. We are going to jump to our first question here. If you hang us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. Or you can scroll down into your episode description in your pod player of choice and click the links there. Our first question is also our November bridge box topic, and it is, how do I give thanks when everything is so hard? And Lee, a, uh, a great question and a very, as we round into the, the weirdness that will be Thanksgiving 2020 here in the States, wow. a, a very prescient thing. So wh- where would we start off with this? Uh, first, I want to, I want to take our listeners back to uh, a, a moment that I had with, with brother Glenn where he and I met mm. at a Cracker Barrel in Kentucky, oh, of yes. all places, halfway through the, the uh, pandemic. And he described uh, just his mindset when, uh, when, when he found out Illinois was going on lockdown. He, he kind of circled the wagons with, with, with uh, the staff and the volunteers uh, at the Bridge Chicago, who we all love, and we've been watching for many, many months now. And basically... They, the, the idea at that time was, uh, this is at the, at the most, at the absolute worst, this is going to be eight weeks. We think it's going to be three weeks, (laughs) but at the absolute freaking worst, it's going to be eight weeks. 
And uh, specifically, I remember he was saying to uh, Brother Pete, Pete, you and I are the ones that really need to, uh, you know, personalities are similar on this kind of deal. We, we, we need to really focus so that we can make it through, at the worst, eight weeks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gear up. I mean, and we, then, let, uh, let's not patty cake this thing. Yeah, right. And then, and so they, they made up, they developed a plan. And then eight weeks sailed by. And of course, there was no end in sight. Yeah. Um, when you say, how do I give thanks when everything is so hard? Man, uh, can we all just stack hands and say, this year sucks. It yeah. sucks. It sucks, man. It sucks. Everything about it sucks. Um, so I, I say all that to normalize the idea that, that gratitude is difficult right now. And we have to start by normalizing the way that we feel because otherwise we're going to feel like crap. And, um, and we, don't want, we don't want anybody listening to this podcast to feel unnecessary shame about something that makes perfect sense, which is it's difficult to be thankful right now. Um, as we, as we kind of move our way through November, I think this is probably coming out. This episode, Matt is probably coming out about around the time of Thanksgiving. Is that right? I believe this will be the week before. Okay. So, um, the Thanksgiving season. Yeah. The Thanksgiving season, this will be for our Chicago constituency. This will be kind of, uh, right on the cusp of gripes giving. If Indeed. I'm, if I'm not yeah. totally wrong about that. And so, um, you know, it's an, it's an important time of the year where the Our bowl of wrath, of days. <laughs> where the, <laughs> the bowl of wrath is, uh, is passed around and Jed dons a bathrobe and here are gripes. And I don't know if I got the right key. Jed, That's but, close enough. It, it's more about the attitude than the key and you crushed it. <laughs> okay. Thank you, sir. Um, all of that being said, let's let's start by normalizing the fact that gratitude is difficult in 2020. We've all had a hard year. And then let's let's having started there, let's move into this. Um when we're talking about giving thanks right now, let's start small. And and what I mean by that is like literally anything any small everyday thing you have, any experience that is a comfort to you in any way. Let's start there. So what I mean is like a good bite of food. Give yourself um, the reminder to like take that moment and say, mm, that was a good bite of food. Thank you. Um, a, a, a warm bed, clean clothes, the, like the little like the little pleasures in your day, when, when you've been when you've been in a global pandemic for over eight months, literally a, a thousand people in the United States died yesterday because of because of this pandemic. A thousand people died today because of this. Everything seems so bleak. It's so difficult. What we're facing is so hard, and yet in the midst of that, you have had moments, little moments in your day where you had uh, some, some, small, uh, some small sense of comfort, some small sense of warmth, some small sense of, of belonging or uh, acceptance or reception, anything like that, I would say start there. Literally like anything that you have that, um, that made you feel comfort in any way, 
thank God for those things. To kind of turn your attention to him and say, I believe, based on John chapter 10, uh, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Um, Jesus wants you to have life. He wants you to have pleasure. He wants you to have warmth and, uh, and, and good, positive experiences. Jesus wants those things for you. So it stands to reason that when you have them, when you experience them, even if they're tiny, uh, if we can get in the, had- in the attitude of going ahead and thanking him for those little things, then we can build um, this kind of muscle memory, this repetition that leads to what I would call a disposition of gratitude. That gratitude starts as a kind of learned behavior that you get repetition on and you, and you get better at. Um, and then it becomes a disposition. So every time I eat something good, every time I have a warm cup of coffee or a quiet moment to myself, this is just my personality coming out, then I am going to say thank you for those things. And that builds in me a disposition of gratitude. That's kind of the way of expanding that kind of thinking into the, in, in the midst of such awfulness that we're all experiencing right now, that we've been experiencing this year, is start small, start practical. When you experience uh, pleasure, when you experience reception, when you experience warmth, all of those things, start by giving gratitude and those little things, and you will build to a disposition of gratitude. I think a disposition of gratitude is a great way to think about it and a wonderful, wonderful place to start that off. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up here because one of the things I like about what, what Lee's giving us is I think a lot of times when uh, people talk about gratitude in hard circumstances and hard periods, there is a strong element of denial in that, of yeah, use gratitude so that you're not acknowledging that things are hard or don't focus on the hard things and just you know choose gratitude instead. And that's I like that disposition idea that Lee's giving us because it's not about ignoring things, but maybe it is about focusing on certain things, right? For sure. I think um, it's important to recognize, first of all, full disclosure, everybody in this podcast is having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the world is having a hard time. You, You literally have never been more unified to the rest of the world uh, then you will be in this moment of what it is that you're going through. Um, and we've only had uh, just those, you know, it might be a day or two or three uh, that have come up in the midst of this where it's just, you know, I'm I'm at the end of my tether, man. I can't take it. I, I have to bang something with a hammer or something. You know, I just, you know, you, you get to a point of exasperation and overload. So, you know, as as we've said on similar things uh, uh, pertaining to what it is we're all going through, these are the things we're trying to live by. Uh, These are not just uh, ideals that we're telling you we already have mastered. Uh, But I, I think it's important for us to all recognize circumstances never really give you permission to be happy otherwise. Uh, in other words, it, it, if you looked at your life at any point, he, w- what you would be saying is, I would be really happy if this thing worked out. I'd, I'd be happy if I got a good grade on this test, or if this cute person would ask me out, or if I could just be graduated, or if I just had a job, or what, you know. We, 
we could look at any point in your life and it would be that same if only kind of a statement. But you're looking at the circumstances and you're saying the circumstances need to work out and if they did, then then I'd be happy. And, you know, true enough, you probably would be happier. Uh, it would be easier to be happy anyway. But the truth is all day, every day for our whole life, it's always a mixed bag. There's always some stuff that's, you know, that's still lingering around that kind of it won't go away and it really sucks. There's some stuff that you're stuck in in the moment. You, you know it'll go away eventually, but it just feels like it never will. And, and there's stuff that you look at into the future and you say, oh, you know, um, I wonder if this is ever going to work out. But at the same time, you can look around and say, well, this is going right, that's going right, something else is going right. So some of that is about what you fixate on. Uh, some of that is about recognizing the circumstances don't come together to allow you to be happy. You make a choice to be happy. That's how that actually works. Um, so you, you say, you know, how do I give thanks when everything is so hard? You give thanks for the things that aren't hard. Uh, it would be weird to give thanks for really hard and unpleasant and ugly things uh, like a pandemic. You're, you're not supposed to say, yay, pandemic, that's really good. That's That would be weird. Do not do not try to do that. Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to look at the, those things that we can, as, as Lee was pointing out, the things we can uh, be thankful for. And here's the thing. You know, real talk, there are days where you're going to be looking past 10 negative things to find that one positive thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it feels like, well, you know, am I am I not uh, embracing all of reality? Is there a denial element to that? And I think there's a couple of ways of looking at that. Here's one way of looking at it, that um, reality isn't about uh, just taking all the circumstances that are going on and then kind of wallowing in all of that. It, uh, reality is about looking beyond those circumstances. So if you're looking past something negative to find something positive, you may actually get it, be getting to a point of a transcendent understanding of what's going on there. So l let's give ourselves permission to, to, you know, not call that denial. Um, so I think ultimately what I'm driving towards here is that this is not about being detached from physical reality. It's not about ignoring those things. As Lee pointed out, you know, step one is everybody take some time off. Everybody develop some hobbies. Everybody hunker down. We're going to get through this in good shape. The moment this thing is over with, everybody needs to be ready to, to go. Uh, and this is a hard blow to take. So we're going to be smart about it. So we're not being detached from physical reality. We're understanding it, we're acknowledging it, we're making adjustments based on that. We're giving mm -hmm. ourselves permission to take time. It's not about being detached from physical reality, it's about being connected to a deeper spiritual reality. Nothing about uh, presidential elections, nothing about what's happening on the internet, nothing what's, that's happening with world health has anything to do with stopping you from receiving peace in this moment. There's not a thing. Yeah. It, it's making it difficult to get to that place where you set everything aside to receive peace. But there is not a barrier there. You can receive peace right now. And I want you to have that peace. When this podcast is over, I want you to find that time to pull up and say, God, I need peace and I need it real bad. Mm. And that's a prayer he wants to answer for you. 
It's an excellent place to take that. I really love everything Glenn gave us there. And Jed, love to get you to close us out here, uh, maybe with some practicality. I, I wonder if one of the things that hurts people when they're trying to think about thankfulness is this idea that it is very high-minded, very transcendent, and if you're not immediately feeling that rush of peace that, that Glenn is talking about, then you're not doing it right. But there can be some real uh, kind of boots on the ground bits of process, right? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, there's something really cool about the subject of Thanksgiving in that unlike so many things in the spiritual life where there's kind of, a, well, how do you actually do that kind of quality to it? Uh, Thanksgiving is pretty straightforward. Um, you've probably heard the phrase before, count your blessings. You literally do that. Yeah. You you count the blessings that you have, and, and then you write them down, and then you rinse and repeat. That's yeah. That's it. That's that's actually where you begin. And you can do that. Here's the beautiful thing is you don't need to feel thankful in order to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not a prerequisite at all. You can Amen. Anytime you can just sit down, you and a piece of paper or your phone or whatever, and just start writing down things in your life today that that are good for which one could be thankful. If you need kind of some cues to help you with that, if you Google the phrase gratitude challenge. Um, you'll find all kinds of, uh, really cool stuff. Generally they're kind of lists, usually 30 or 31, uh, lists meant for you to do one every day, but just, they're kind of prompts for you to think about something in your life that you might be thankful for. Uh, it's great stuff. I've done it before. I encourage you to do it. It's really good. Um, you can also just keep a gratitude journal, uh, where every day, either at the beginning or in the day, you write down three things that you're thankful for, uh, maybe something from that day or, or something you're reminded of that day, and two or three sentences about it, enough time for you to actually think about it and actually process it. Another thing that you can do that uh, Hallie and I have done actually a lot, particularly in the early years of our marriages, we play a game called I Bet You're Thankful. And um, each one of us has to suggest a thing that the other one is probably thankful for, and then the other person has to offer reasons why they might be thankful for it, and we go back and forth. If you've got a friend that you can do that with, great. If you don't, you can do the gratitude journal. Um, If you think you'd have a hard time coming up with ideas, again, you can just Google gratitude challenge. But this is one of those really cool things in the spiritual life where fake it till you make it is the point. Amen. You, you don't and have awesome. to worry about being insincere. You are insincere. We are all insincere. It's the middle of a global pandemic and the earth is literally on fire. It would be weird to just wake up and be like, I feel great, man. So it's okay. You, we are all faking it till we make it. Recognize that you will wake up and you will open your, your gratitude journal app and you will not feel thankful, but then you will list things out. And this is the really crazy thing is you will begin to feel better. You really will. It it doesn't seem like it would have any impact. It feels like the Thanksgiving version of when you were little and you'd like punched your brother and your parents made you apologize and you had to be like, I'm sorry, I punched you in the arm. I'm sorry, I did it. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And we all knew that that was fake, but this actually works. Like you didn't become actually sorry for, for punching your brother, but here you, <laughs> you actually will feel better. You'll actually become thankful. Um, and the more that you do it, not in any one given day. But the more days that you're able to string together where you take that time to reflect, the more impact it's going to have. And I think the more the more strength that you're going to draw from it. But the key thing is the doing it. Um, we don't have to do it perfectly. We don't have to do it perfectly consistently. We super don't have to have a perfect attitude or perspective about it. It's the doing it and that you can begin right now. 
that is all very, very cool stuff. And it is one of those uh, kind of, it seems like a ticky tacky thing, but it, it, it does help illuminate this that uh, very few places, if any in the scripture, does it say feel thanks, but in many, many, it says give thanks because okay. that is mm. the, the actual attitude you have and the action you have control over. Uh, as, as Jed points out, I know I should be thankful for this thing, even though I don't feel it, does count. And that uh, fulfills your gratitude challenge for the day. And it totally is a good place to start off. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in to our inbox and says, There are some family friends I don't want to spend time around. Quarantine has taken care of that for now, but we normally see them over the holidays. I feel like they hold hateful ideas under the guise of Christianity, and it has become more extreme under this new political climate it's really emotionally exhausting to go be around them. I'm a college kid living at home. How can I avoid these gatherings? More specifically, how could I explain what I'm feeling to my parents? How could I help them understand? And how do I better understand anything they are dealing with? A very, very cool question. And again, a very prescient one as we turn into a, a holidays season that's going to be fraught even by normal holiday season standards. So, Glenn, where would we start off with this? Well, we appreciate the question, and and it, it, we also appreciate your your heart and your attitude here. The uh, you know desire to um, to be understanding, I think, is really cool, and and uh, you know shows a really good heart here. Um, I my wish is that that understanding, uh, that attitude of understanding and and sensitivity would weave a, a form of spell that would uh, create a better situation for all this. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that that just might not be the case. Uh, but it doesn't diminish the fact that you're awesome for having that attitude. Uh, it, I mean, you know, sometimes we we kind of look at outcomes and say, well, you know. I was I was trying to be understanding. It didn't work out. Maybe I did something wrong there, and that's not the case here. Um, here's here's part of my take on this. I'll let these other guys unpack this a little more. Is stuff like this is often a, a matter of how big is this problem? What size is it? In other words. Is this a relatively irritating minor thing I might deal with once a year and I kind of grit my teeth and it's, you know, they're just sort of irritating in a sort of a benign sort of way and I can get through it and, and I don't want to ruffle everybody's feathers and it's not a lot to ask to make my parents happy by just, you know, going along. Or is this something where it really gets into something toxic and unpleasant? Now, that's different from... They're saying a lot of things I don't agree with or I don't like hearing, and I know that's part of a larger toxic whatever. We're just talking about the actual interaction with those actual people. Where does that cross the line? Uh, I think that's, for you, important for you to work out. And that, you know, is, is this something that's actively toxic and unhealthy and really going to mess you up, or is it sort of an irritation? But in either case, it's also important for you to recognize it doesn't have to be something huge for you to uh, say something about it. You know, they you you have a, a right to ask for uh, manners. Uh, my wife yeah. insists on that frequently uh, because I am not showing it, and she says you need to have them and do it. And I say, oh yes, I will put on pants now. 
So, you know, whatever it is, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a right that you have to say this kind of talk is rude or mean or just bad manners. That's That's okay to say. And it's also not something that you necessarily have to justify. Uh, that is to say, you say, well, you know, um, I'm going going to the other room. I, I kind of don't like this kind of talk, to be honest with you. Well, what do you not like about it? It's just that I don't like it. Uh, it it's weird, but I I just don't feel the need to explain it, and I don't, don't know that I have an explanation for it, and I definitely don't want to hurt your feelings, and I think that would happen if I explained it. So why don't I just go in the other room? You guys can keep talking. Uh, sometimes part of this is just not giving people something to latch on to. But when we wait for things to get bad, then it becomes sort of a big declaration. I am no longer hearing these, you know, I am, you know, separating myself and, and all that drama. We, we sort of wait until we have that drama because we're letting the drama motivate us. And that's not good and healthy. You don't. You you have the right to speak up. You have the right to have your sense of taste, and you, you know you have the right to go in the other room and say, you know, you guys are boring me with this talk, and it's mm. it's also kind of just not healthy and good. I'm going to go in the other room. Well, who and you? How are you going to? What do you want from me, man? I just I don't like it. What do you? Is your counter argument? I should have to like it because that's not how life works. Okay, bye, and you just go in the other room. Uh, but what I'm describing here is a strategy that I think a lot of Christians need to develop uh, in their relationships where they're doing some of these more low-key confrontations where we're developing a skill where we're, we're having a very short, very to-the-point, uh, very passionless statement that we're making. I don't like that. Uh, I don't care for that. I'm. You guys keep talking. I'm going to go in the other room. It's simple. That's three seconds worth there. That's not making a speech. It's not justifying it. It's not rationalizing. It's not making a case. It's not engaging in a debate. It's not all of those things. There's something about someone who simply won't be moved, isn't going to be entangled, doesn't feel the need mm-hmm. to justify it, is making a statement. I don't care for this. You can't make me like it. You can't make me want to hear it. You being a jerk face person because I said I don't like it makes me like it less. You are not getting where you're going with this. Bye. I'm out. You know, there's something where you're to that where uh, when people see you get upset and they see you waiting until you're, you're kind of blowing up, they react to your emotion but they don't react to your original statement of what you're trying to present. And we don't want that for you. We want you to have to be respected for your viewpoint. Absolutely. That's a wonderful place to start that off. And Jed, where would we uh, pick it up there as far as strategy goes? Well, I think it's about giving yourself, I love everything Glenn said. I, and I absolutely agree with all of it. I think it's in a sense about recognizing you have a huge range of options uh, from the incredibly unobtrusive to the extremely confrontational. And one of the the skills that we need to learn here is kind of right-sizing the response, figuring yeah, out yeah. what level of response is appropriate. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you kind of two 
left and right limits, both of which could be totally valid and could be completely inbounds, but it depends on the situation. It depends what your goals are. So on one hand, we have your parents say, well, uh, Jim and Edith are coming over next Thursday. Won't it be lovely? And you say, ah, gosh, wow, man, it would be great. But I have a Zoom call with my friends that night because uh, we're doing it's a it's a Friendsgiving via Zoom. So, man, you know, give my love to Jim and Edith. You know, it's always a good time. But I've got a prior commitment and golly gee, I'm going to have to do that. Um, so we've got that on the one hand where we're not we're not saying a, a bad word about anyone to anyone. We're simply finding a way to not be around. Um, and there's plenty of situations where that would be absolutely the right response. On the far opposite end, uh, we have the moment of uh, of full on taking a stand, getting in someone's face. You know, make clear. I am against what you are saying. I am, you know, I I rebuke what you are saying. I will not be around this kind of behavior. And again, there are situations where that would be the right thing. Um, it it sounds like an extreme thing, but there 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 actually are situations where that would be appropriate. And then there's this huge range of responses in between. I mean, there's really enormous range of responses in between. And again, the thing that we want to learn, the, the talent and the skill that we want to develop is figuring out what's the proportional response. Mm-hmm. What's the, the strategy that, that is the right level of investment and recognizing that there are pluses and minuses to all of them that to do, for example, that huge, I'm getting in your face and I'm not backing down a, if you're if you're going to do that, you should really pray that up before you do that, um, and you should um, uh, uh, ask some other people to pray that up. It's not something you should undertake lightly, um, and you should also be aware that that's going to exhaust you because it's an incredibly emotionally exhausting thing to confront someone and to do it well and in a godly way, and that there could be fallout from it. It can still be the right thing to do, but there are there are costs associated with it, and there's work associated with it. Whereas um, uh, just having other plans has very little work associated with it. And again, there are times where we need to do the, the hard option. There are also times where as a matter of self-care, we need to do the chill, easy option because maybe Jim and Edith just are not worth the trouble, right. man. So no one can do the hard option all the time. No one should do the easy option all the time. It's recognizing, you know, where we need to land and really inviting the Lord uh, in prayer to speak to um, that calculation and guide us on the the kind of response that's going to be appropriate and then giving ourselves grace to take that response. A great, great place to take this. And Leah, let me get you to, to close this out by uh, looking at the parent aspect yeah. of this a little bit more. I think Glenn and Jed have done a, a great job with the, the dealing with the, the people in the room. Um, we, we obviously don't know this person's parents. We don't know that relationship, but, uh, what is some good strategy as far as how to make, uh, our, our, for our question asker to, to make their, their feelings known to their parents and, and do the, give the best possible, uh, way to get them all tugging on the same end of the rope. That's a great way to frame it, man. I, I, I love everything that's already been said on this question and, Really don't have a ton to add to to the wisdom that you've heard from from Glenn and from Jed. Um, I, I would say uh, first off, it should be said. I, I think that one thing that that 
that you may want to consider is it may be high time to really try to start to seek out a way for you to be living on your own. Um, when you are an adult with your own address, you simply don't have to go to things you don't want to go to. Yep. That's yeah. an important point. It's an important thing. Um, uh, just a little, just to kind of peek behind the curtain in my life. Um, we, when I was a little kid, we spent uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas almost every year at the home of a relative who just delighted in, in uh, shaming people, just delighted in making fun of people. That that was that was just what he thought was fun. Um, just uh, everybody was the the butt of the joke, um, and uh, and and there was a point in, uh, at which uh, I was in college. I was living on my own in an apartment, and um, and uh, Christy and I uh, realized, hey, we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, we don't ever have to go there again. Um, we don't have to listen to that anymore. We don't have to be the butt of his jokes anymore. We don't have to endure that shaming, and we are simply not going to go. And I am delighted to tell you that at 41 years old, I have, for the past 20 years, never gone back to his house again. Nice. Oh, that's the good stuff right there. That I I simply don't have to, and no one can make me. Um, and, and so I think it's an important question. What would be the next step? Not that you can flip it like a light switch today, but what would be the next step in you exploring the options of you living on your own as an adult? So that's, that's one thing. The last thing that I would say on this, these brothers have done such a beautiful job with this question already, is if your parents are emotionally able to handle this conversation, could you, uh, since you do live at home currently, could you come up with the type of compromise where you suggest that where you're honest with your parents about you know kind of how you feel about about these family friends or these relatives or whatever it is, and then you suggest a compromise where you attend this gathering for thirty minutes or forty five minutes, where you and your parents have a pact that their understanding and your understanding is you have another thing to go to. But you're going to show your face. You're going to be there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You're going to handle it the way that these guys have, have laid out. Um, but what we're basically saying is, I, I'm going to, you know, and, and have your parents, you know, if you can bring them in on this and they, can, and they can emotionally handle it, that they would be your allies, that they would help you um, in, in the, the prospect of dodging certain types of conversations, whether that's politics or 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 religious stuff or uh you know lb you know gtq all that stuff like what, whatever the things are whatever the issues are that, that that cause tensions that they would be your ally in in dodging certain conversations and we would try to have a nice time for 30 minutes and the understanding for everybody is you have a thing to go to which may or may not exist but your parents are on board with that and then you and and, and then you get to duck out so you showed your face, you had the interaction or whatever, but everybody was on board with, we're going to make this an, an enjoyable 30 minutes. It's the kind of compromise that, that, that really could lead to a successful interaction. Um, again, I think the most, the, the most uh, beneficial thing you could do is to start to look at options for you to move out on your own so that you can make the, these decisions on your own and, and nobody can say boo about it. 
But in the meantime, how can we uh, get your parents to join you as an ally and say, let's dodge certain conversations. Let me be a let me uh, show my face for 30 minutes, and then we can all agree that I'm going to duck out and, and, and have another thing to do. That is all excellent, excellent advice. Um, I, we're going to go ahead and move on to our final question here. It came in to our inbox and says, I just got a new job. It's great, but there's a problem. I have a crush on someone at work. I am married. I don't think it's a big deal, just feelings and chemistry and mystery about someone that I don't even know, but I feel guilty, even though I've ultimately been just polite, respectful, and avoided said person, which I'm a little embarrassed about because it seems unnecessary. But basically, I feel guilty again in my life. Does this ever end? And again, uh, we super appreciate the honesty. It's a great question. It's something that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot, but a very, very good question. And Jed, where should we start off with it? We love you. We got your back. Um, as a reminder, Feelings are neither right nor wrong. An attraction is a feeling. Uh, you, you are in an office. You see a person. Some part of your brain chemistry finds them attractive. It's a feeling. Uh, in that moment, there's nothing right or wrong about it. The other thing about feelings is that they come and go. They uh, are very, very temporary. We may want to remind ourselves that your spouse was not the first person in life that you found attractive. Uh, we don't often want to acknowledge that because we've created a lot of well-intentioned, nonsensical beliefs about uh, marriage, but your spouse was not the first person you found attractive in your life. And they're not going to be the last person that you found attractive in your life. Um, so where this starts is we have a feeling and um, on its own, it doesn't really mean anything. And yes, you already know that you could act on that feeling in a way that would very quickly become a, a big deal and not cool, but you already know that. And so we don't need to, to uh, beat that dead horse. I think there's a potential struggle here, though, that you may not be aware of. And that is there's a struggle to not give nonsense weight that it doesn't deserve. Let me tell you about that again. One of the devil's favorite tricks is to get a little bit of nonsense in front of you and say, it has to mean something. You <laughs> had a thought in your head, yeah. a feeling flashed across <laughs> your brain. It has to mean something. And it doesn't. It's super, super doesn't. I, I'm going to actually refer back to the great spiritual wisdom, because uh, it is that time of year, of Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol, and one of the apparitions appears, and Scrooge says, you are a blob of undigested mustard. There's more of gravy than of grave about you. And in truth, Scrooge was right. Um, weird thoughts come because you ate something weird. Weird thoughts because you, you didn't sleep right. When we give things weight that they don't deserve, now we have begun to create a problem. Now mm. we have begun to create something that, that is going to be difficult to deal with because we're playing a guilt game. In right. fact, anytime that we are willing to entertain false guilt, we're actually setting ourselves up for a fall. Um, and I, I wonder if that's not the main play that the devil's trying to make on you here. Again, 
you're aware that acting on these feelings would be a bad idea. So we don't we don't need to to dig into that. But the false guilt creates its own problem. I want to advise you to do something that um, Christians tend to struggle with, and that is learning the fine art of simply letting thoughts pass you by. We don't have yeah. to to fight them. We don't have to struggle with them. We don't even have to um, address them. We just let a thought pass us by. It's like clouds passing in the sky, like water rolling off of a duck's back. It is an unbelievably critical skill for healthy living to be able to note, oh, there's an interesting thought, by thought, and just let it pass you on by. Mm. And I think that that may be the thing the devil most doesn't want to see happen here is that you could be in your office and you say, oh, that's an attractive person. Well, anyway, back to page 32 on this report, because at this point, what, what other play does he have? Yes, if he can get you to, to act on that attraction, then, then we have an issue. But you know what? He's just as happy to get you wound up on false guilt. That, right. that works great for him, too. But if we can embrace that critical skill of just letting a thought pass you by, just letting a feeling pass you by, say, oh, that's a feeling. Well, anyway, that is such an important skill, and I know that you can do it. I know that you have what it takes to get the courage from the Lord, be able to peacefully and serenely just let thoughts pass you by and keep on living the life that the Lord has you in. Right on. Absolutely. And keep a lookout for well-intentioned, mostly nonsense cube coming soon from Osteen Industries. <laughs> uh, all excellent, excellent stuff from Jether. I think that's, that's the perfect place to start this off. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because I think Jed has given us exactly the right mindset we would want to have about this, which right. is you notice someone's attractive or, or cute or laughs at what you said and whatever. That's, that doesn't mean anything. That's not infidelity. That's not a big deal. However, I, the, another, uh, issue in the thinking here is that idea of, well, but if I overreact, like I avoid this person, isn't that kind of treating it like a big deal? And I feel weird about doing that. And there's something to be said for just giving things a good, safe, wide berth, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I There's a really, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I, I, I totally agree with where Jed started us out on this. And I like that mindset. There's a really, really interesting word in your question that I think all of us, you know, all the guys in this podcast have been married for a while. All of us uh, have, you know, we we have talked to married people, talked to married people in, uh, you know, who are having a hard time, talked to married people who are, uh, you know, wondering if they're going to make it, that kind of stuff, counseled people through these kinds of conversations. And one of the... And, and and a lot of these uh, these guys like me have talked to people who have had you know infidelity in their marriages and stuff like that and and some broken up over it there's a word in your question that i want to i want to take a minute with you say um you know there's a person at work that i have some chemistry and some mystery with mm. that word mystery i i think that's a really important word um it's an important word because there, you know, Jed talked about that the the devil would be totally fine with you acting on these feelings, and he would also be totally fine with the false guilt. I completely agree with that. He would also be totally fine with you wondering about the mystery. What could happen? 
Like, what could this lead to? Could this be amazing? And that's one of those things where I, I love where Jed took us of the, this idea of just uh, honing the skill of saying, you know what, that was a, that was a, a stupid thought, and I'm going to let it pass by. Um, the the idea in the Western mind of the mystery, the, the idea that there could be some intrigue here, that there could be something interesting, all of us who have counseled people through uh, having actual, actually acting on and, and having infidelity in their marriage will tell you, there's no mystery. It's only pain. <laughs> it's, it's only disaster. Um, it, it's only ridiculous. It's only, it's only as, it's, it's only bad. Um, there is no mystery. I, I'm glad that you wrote the word in your question because it's one of those things that we need to take a moment with and say, I, it's, that is a, a really revealing thing that all of us feel is like, is there some mystery here? There's no mystery. There's no, there's no actual, there's no chemistry. There's no mystery. There's, there's a, a comp- we can completely forecast what this is. The forecast is, this is a terrible idea. We know that from the outset. We know that from every possible angle. Um, and as Matt's saying, there is a great sense of just like, Look, giving a wide berth to like, look, if I have a, uh, if I have any kind of thing in this, there's a, there's a place in the book of Proverbs, it's the entirety of chapter five that just says, look, here's the deal. Just don't go near this. Don't, uh, don't give any weight to it. Don't give any thought to it. Don't give any uh, bandwidth to it. Don't give any energy to it. Just keep yourself separated from this whole thing. There is no mystery. There is no chemistry. This is just, it's just a bad idea. I like how Jed's saying, just let it pass by and let it pass by with some honesty, like honesty and firm boundaries. I'm not going to go near this. I'm not going to entertain this. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to give any energy to this or any light to this or anything like that. I'm grateful that you wrote that word because I think for a lot of people, there's just this question of like, there's like a, uh, it's this thing of like, but what if there is no, what if there, there is no, what if, so let's just go ahead and shut this down. Let it pass by exactly as Jed is saying, don't give any energy to it. Don't give any thought to it. Don't give any space to it. And definitely have some practical stuff set up. To where we're not going to give um, we're not going to give any possibility of this moving forward at all in any direction. That is, I think, a really, really great way to break down that aspect of this. And Glenn, I, I'd love to get you to close this out. And I think, as as Lee mentions, you had a lot of experience talking with people through through similar situations. Uh, sometimes before the stupid thing happens, but much, much more often after the stupid thing happens. Yeah, and and you made a, a very good observation. As we've looked at counseling stuff, which is um, very rarely is does marital pro- strife and infidelity come from this person was just so physically hot that I could yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And a lot more often it's well, you know, this, the person at work laughed at my joke, and like my spouse hasn't laughed at my joke in a long time, right. and that's a little more insidious. But as these guys are pointing out, also easy to avoid, right? Well, absolutely. I, you know, I agree with both of these guys. You can you can go to the extreme of just having guilt over something you did not do, 
uh, or the other extreme of a plane with fire. And man, you do not want that either. That's bad stuff. You, you know, if you're if you're east of Cleveland and you point yourself, if you're east of Cleveland, you say, I don't want to end up in Cleveland. You face east and you keep going east. That's how you don't end up in Cleveland. You know, you 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 put your back to it and you start walking away from it. Uh, so I think, you know, that we don't play with those kinds of things. And that's that's part of smart, responsible ways of handling ourselves. Uh, but I think there is this um, misunderstanding about, uh, as Jed is pointing out, you can notice that a person is attractive. That's there's nothing overtly wrong with that. That's different from wanting to have a relationship with this person. And, and I'm including a physical relationship with, with that person Um, and being confused about how that might pan out and what might be involved in that. (laughs) Uh, I think one of the things we don't understand about temptation is there's a part of our brain that says, okay, so I'm not going to do it. So yay me, congratulations, I'm not going to do it. But what if I just got very close to it mm. and then still didn't do it? So I could sort of have the fun of messing with that line, but then I didn't go over the line, and, and then that would be like how I'm like totally Christian at that point. That's what we're talking about here, is this idea of it's intriguing and it's, you know, you know, maybe we could become really good friends and things. Don't play with any any part of that. But here's the final thing I want to tell you, and I, I think this is the part that really, really needs to be understood. You said, um, you know, there's there's feelings and chemistry here and, and mystery. Okay. Let me tell you about chemistry. And this is... Uh, some married person stuff now, long term. I mean, like way deep in it. You don't know anything about the chemistry you have with another human being till you've been on a long car car ride on the holidays. It's your vacation from work, and you're going to see your in-laws. And these people and the thing, and they're talking nonstop, and we're on the waterbed in the basement because <laughs> that's what that is. And why, please tell me why do your feet smell like Fritos? And also, do you have to snore like that all night long? Let's get in the car and get out of here. And all I want to do is go back home. If you could look at the person next to you and say, I am totally completely enraptured with love Mm. and passion and attraction to this person. If you say, I adore this person Mm. in those circumstances, then my friend, you have chemistry. Okay. (laughs) Some little, uh, gal at your office, be bopping around and acting cute. You don't know squat about what sort of chemistry is going to happen. All you know is that, you know, you've seen all the upsides. Uh, but really, relationships get real, and and uh, you know, uh, romance and all those things get real when you've gone through challenges and tough times and circumstances, and when when you've seen yourself, uh, when when you know that you're not at your best, and you look at this other person and say, "I am so crazy about this person. 
I'm going to reach down and figure out how can I be a better man right now? How can I give more of myself right mm-hmm. now? Uh, that's that's what the, the, the stuff of good relationships is. It's not attraction. Attraction is just what gets us into it. You know, attraction is just, the, that's the trick. That's what the Lord plays a trick on us. You look and say, wow, she looks good in them pants. I'm going to marry her. And you get married and you look over and say, whoa, what happened? And then that's you're married. Everything after that is you're making a, a life together. You're you're creating that chemistry. You're creating a, a bond. Uh, everything else is sexual attraction. And again, as, as Jed points out, and rightly so, you can vilify yourself for that and play guilt games with that, which can be just as dangerous, really. Uh, but that's it's it's really maybe more important to recognize that the physical attraction wouldn't knit a relationship together anyway so it it just has no meaning it has no substance mm. and we want meaningful relationships that are healthy that you're working out and you're not looking over at other people and saying well it, maybe she would be a better fit or more chemistry or the grass would be greener uh, on the other side all great, great stuff from these folks. But to uh, just close it out here, I would I would add that all the, the stuff these guys gave you is perfect for dealing with this incredibly complex and potentially sticky reality because there's a lot of stuff going on here, right? And you're, you're mixing uh, work and marriage, and if there's potential unhappiness or just tension in a marriage, that can spill over to other people. You're dealing with attraction and all that. But to get back to that basic thing of your strategy, because you're saying... I'm pers- I'm clearly currently just being respectful and avoiding this person, but that feels a little silly. If you ever get one of those situations where that is, replace the emotion with another one. So let's say there was someone at work who you just hated and wanted to punch every time you saw them. You say, well, you shouldn't punch people at work, and I'll get fired, and it'll have massive negative consequences in my life. You would probably just avoid that person. That's right. Because that is the the quickest, straightest line between you and not doing something It's going to have a negative consequence. As these guys have all pointed out, guilt doesn't have any place in that. It's, I have a feeling, what do I do with this? The the relationship stuff these guys pointed out is very important and is in there. But when we're talking about the work environment, there is a very clear kind of uh, A to B line that you want to draw on. And you've done a good job in that. We have your back on it. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous uh, missionusa.com slash bridgebox and facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago every Tuesday at 7:30 central time. Tell the song this week. This is from our November edition of bridge box till I found you featuring our friends, the brave and the bold and Galvin Patrick. Woo. Great check. Take it out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Pre-order your Save That Analog Cube today. It's constructed of high-grade cardboard and our non-corporeal being sealed inside. (laughs) (laughs) I keep trying to find everything I lost before. I keep finding myself in searching for a peace. There was light, light, light in a sky, 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 and I don't know what it is. There was light, light, light in a sky, 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 and I don't know what it is. Till I found you, it was you that I was looking for.
was light, light, light in the sky, sky.